0: how to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued, and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Lone Team Training has our next live wow training coming up We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Check it out at LoanTeamTraining.com for our next class and see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at LoanTeamTrainingReviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive virtual training with live trainers and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Our sessions are 9 to 1130 Pacific time. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at loanteamtraining.com. and welcome to the Loan Officer Team Training Podcast. I'm your host, Irene DuFord, and I have a super good friend with me today. His name is Tyler Osby, and he's in Iowa. And I am so grateful, Tyler, for you to be here. You've been a friend for seven, eight years now, and and I'm just grateful that you took your time. I know you have a lot going on, and I appreciate you being here.
1: It's great to be with you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite.
0: So tell us, uh, Tyler is a great originator in Iowa. Is it? Tell us the city.
1: Des Moines. I am right okay. in the capital city. Yeah. Okay. Everybody thinks about farms when they think of Iowa. And I've spent like zero minutes on a farm in my lifetime while I've been here.
0: <laughs> so it's the city, city yeah. Des Moines. Yep. Okay. And so Tyler is a great originator there. He has so much good stuff to share with us today. So we're going to just jump right in. But first, let's, let's hear a little bit about Tyler's backstory. So how did you get into the business, Tyler?
1: Well, I, so I've been doing it for 18 years for context and in my 18 years of doing it, I've never once met someone who's in the loan business that really meant to be in the loan business, or at least that's my experience. Uh So my, my story is not much different, right? I uh, found out about the mortgage industry when I was 19 selling car stereo and I sold a guy a radar detector and he had a really nice car. He had a BMW M3. I don't know if you've heard this story, but it was kind of that pursuit of happiness story where I was like, what do you do anyway? You know, the <laughs> guy was in his like mid twenties and he had an M3 uh-huh. and he told me he did mortgages to which I said, what's a mortgage? Cause I didn't know. And he said, well, you know, I help people buy houses. Basically I sell them money. And I was like, that's interesting. I didn't even know that it was like a, a job. And uh, he's like, yeah. And he's like, have you ever thought about making a career change? And I was like, I don't know if that's really for me. That seems like a big boy job. And I'm 19. He said, no, I, I think you'd be great at it. You just sold me a $400 radar detector and I was about to buy a $75 one. So maybe you could do this. <laughs> so I kind of borrowed his confidence, right. And started trying it part-time on my two days off from retail and pretty quickly realized, oh my goodness, this could really, this could be something, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was my last year <laughs> in retail, you know, you've always got Christmas. So Christmas was crazy. And then I got out and went into the mortgage business full time. And I've been jamming at it ever since.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's been a great, a great thing for your family. Great thing when you were single, Uh, right? I'm assuming you were single at 19.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I've been a serial monogamist, you know, so I've always (laughs) been in relationships, but I think the blessing for me is I was at a stage in my life where I didn't have a lot of responsibility. So I had some time to kind of figure it out. And, and my timeline would prove I needed a little bit of time to figure it out. But, (laughs) you know, and I hopped around a lot. I mean, I don't know how deep you want to get into the story, but I hopped around a lot in my first few years trying to find the right place. I always thought it was the place that wasn't working. And then eventually (laughs) I took a little bit of ownership of my own success and decided, okay, maybe I just need to learn you know, a little bit more about how you could successfully do this as a career. And that's when I started really doing like traveling to go to different events and learn. And Mm -hmm. eventually I turned into coaching and all kinds of things, but it was crazy, you know, just getting started. The the best person I knew that did loans was closing four or five loans a month. And that guy as the guy with the M3. And I thought, man, that guy's just got this whole thing figured out. He's got the world (laughs) by the hand and it's just so funny, and then you know, then I go to Vegas to. uh, I always give shout outs where I can. So I went yes. to Business Plan back in the day. You know, this is 2004, probably. Yeah. Five. If you remember those events, there were I huge do. events, right? And you saw up on stage. There's people like Linda Davidson, for example, who's now a friend, who's doing you know 30 units a month. I'm like, oh my goodness, where are these people coming from? And how is that even possible? I'm doing the math. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever. But you know, it turns out that's like actually possible. And it really shifted my mindset at a pretty early age. I was really lucky, but you know, I mean, the only reason I ended up in Vegas, I don't know how often I've even told this story, but I had an account rep. I was a broker back then. I had an account mm-hmm. rep that walked in with a book, I trust selling Todd's book Todd yes. Duncan, and, mm-hmm. uh, so I Googled him after I read the book and found out he did events. I wasn't able to make it to his event, but that sent me down this rabbit hole of finding out about Loan Toolbox. And that's, it was just a, stra- it was a stranger who cared. You know, the guy who gave me an opportunity to get into the mortgage business was a stranger who cared. Terry, um, my account rep, who I still talk to not as often as I probably should, but she she cared enough to give me that book recommendation. I mean, it's just weird how yeah. things happen. We got deep real quickly, Irene.
0: Yeah, we sure did. But, you know, that's how it is. I've noticed that in the mortgage business. When I got in, I I was promised training, never got it. Yeah. And uh, people have heard this story before, but I don't know if you've heard it before, but I I didn't get any training. And yeah. so I'm passionate about it. And I what happened with me is the reps, I was working for a broker and the reps, the the A rep, you know, the A paper rep and the B paper rep taught me
1: their mm-hmm. business.
0: They taught me the business how to do it. They never mm-hmm. taught me so much about marketing, but they taught me how to do the loans, you know, how to- Like the technical them. aspect of the, the job. Technical. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I would agree. And and to your point, you know, everybody's doing the best that they can, right? That's that's what I found is the guy who brought me into the business, that's probably how he got into the business. And the way he mm-hmm. originates a loan is significantly different than how I originate a loan today. But they, you know, everybody's just teaching the best that they know. And oftentimes through the same way that they learned it. And unfortunately in our industry, as you know, cause you, you found a, a fix for it. The training is, to- it's terrible. <laughs> it's just not good. It um, is. And it, you know, there, there has for a very long time been a need for more of a turnkey solution. And I'm excited that you were passionate enough about it to, to create a turnkey solution because stuff like your product did not exist when I was first getting started. <laughs> I, uh, and I think the cool thing is, is you always have been connected with top producing originators, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have the perspective of people who are actually currently doing the things and executing on what you're training. And I think that that isn't always the case with a lot of the training companies out there. Not, not to talk disparagingly about them at all, but like I, I just know that if I'm doing what you and Kenny are teaching, I can count on it to get results, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to just kind of winging it or talking to a trainer who hasn't been in the mortgage business for 15 years and they're teaching the same thing they were teaching, you know, back then it's a different business. You know? It
0: is. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. In the mortgage business, we help each other, right? That's one thing that I've noticed. Yeah. You could get into a group of people or a company that. Doesn't share, but my experience is that most people that are really good at what they do are willing to share, like you are.
1: Yeah, well, and be be selective. Like it, the good news is everybody's willing to share. The bad news is everyone's willing to share. Yes. So, like the the people who are barely getting by and really limping along, they're still really excited to share what it is that they're doing. And if you know nothing, that can seem really you know attractive to find anybody who's willing yes. to share. But one thing I will, you know, share from my experience that I learned from, I think it was Tony Robbins. So I know you're a big fan of yes. is the power of modeling, you know, not like being in a magazine modeling, but like taking an example of something and trying to mimic it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I learned early-ish, not, not as early as I looking back hoped I would have, but eventually I, I realized, oh, like, Modeling a four unit a month producer is going to look a lot different than modeling someone who's doing 30 or more units a month, you know, and that's just, uh, just being selective on who your mentors are. goes a really long way.
0: Yes. And speaking of mentors, one thing I love about you is how you're always growing. You're always investing in coaching, Mm -hmm. in going to seminars, in personal growth things Mm -hmm. and business growth, both. Mm -hmm. So did you start that? From the time you got into the business, you mentioned it, but I wasn't sure how how uh, long you'd been in the business before yeah. you started really investing in yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I've thought a lot about that, like when I got the itch, because I I think when I was younger, you know, I was always open to feedback and coaching from people. I remember that much, but you know, it wasn't like when I was selling car audio, I was looking for the top car audio salesperson and trying to learn from them. I wasn't even doing a lot of like learning on sales training and stuff at that stage. It was just the company that I worked for did a lot of training, mm-hmm. which was better than better than nothing. But when I got into the mortgage business, I think I faced a a barrier that I hadn't faced before, if I really had to determine the why and mm-hmm. what made me want to do it. Cause you got to experience I ownership language, I have to experience some some uh, friction or pain before I make an adjustment. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but it's certainly been true for me. Most people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when I started experiencing some pain, the pain being, I don't know where my next loan's coming from, but my mortgages still do. That's when I started getting really curious on where I could learn. And that's what got me involved with the conferences. And list- I bought the uh, unlimited power CD set from. Tony Robbins that changed yes. my life you know that kind of stuff it, it was really impactful but i i do genuinely think that i had to have hit a point where i had to make a decision on am i going to make this work or not and if i have to make this work what does that look like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i think if i had to throw an age on it it was probably i don't know 21 maybe
0: that's pretty so, early in your career yeah
1: i was i was really fortunate that i started this career early cuz i mm-hmm. I could have been in retail forever. I mean, I still have friends that I worked with that are still in retail sales jobs. God, I'm so glad I got out. (laughs) But, you know, again, because a stranger gave me an opportunity, it happened. You know, it wasn't like Mm -hmm. I was actively seeking it. But one thing I will say, I say this is an encouraging thing for anybody who feels like, man, I just, I grind it out at every job I have. You know, what I will say is if you are a, standout person in whatever job you have. I used to serve, uh, make sandwiches at Blimpy. Okay. Just, uh-huh. just for perspective, right? That was like my first job. Technically there's another first job that's my banking password kit. So you can't crack my bank account with that. But <laughs> the uh, making sandwiches wasn't real. I don't even like sub sandwiches to this day. I still don't like them, mm-hmm. but I was really fun. Like I was, I was a very personable sandwich artist which isn't even what they called it but that's the joking title i give it right (laughs) but i was noticed at at that age of being really great at that job and because i really tried and showed up for that job when i applied for the job to sell car audio at this fully commissioned store i knew it was a great earning opportunity but they didn't hire people who were 18 like that i was way too young for that job one of my references was Sia Hojati who owned this blimpies franchise. And oddly enough, just by happenstance, this electronics store had purchased sub sandwiches from Sia. So the GM that was lo- looking at my resume knew Sia. And he called up Sia and he said, I got this kid. I My gut says, don't hire him. He's only 18, but I see your name. So I got to call him. And he goes, well, who's the kid? And he says, it's Tyler Osby. He goes, you have to hire Tyler Osby. Like That's he's been awesome. one of my best employees I've ever had. And that was two years after I left Blimpy, you know, cause the ah. moment I could get out of that job, I certainly did. I went to work at Best Buy for two years, but just goes to show you, if you do the work and you, you really put forth a lot of effort, I do think people notice even complete strangers will notice, and that can have a really big compounding effect because You know, everybody thinks you got to go get a degree and have all these achievements and stuff to open up doors. I personally, I'm very uh, contrarian in that aspect. I, I dropped out of college, so I didn't stop learning to be clear. And I've spent more than multiple doctorates on ongoing education since then.
0: Exactly.
1: But it's not through traditional education. Yes. So.
0: Yeah. You're taking me back, Tyler, because same thing happened to me, right? When I was still in high school, I started a part-time job as a teller in a savings and loan inside of a market. I tell you how long ago that was when they were brand new inside mm-hmm. of a market in Los Angeles. And like you said, if you wow people and you if people notice mm-hmm. you because you wow, I like to use the word wow, because it, it it's impactful when you wow people yeah. and you treat people a certain way and you develop relationships and build rapport with people. People do notice that. Oh, and so sure. right out of high school, I got a wonderful opportunity to work at that savings alone as a, it was the first pilot program of being a supervisory trainee program. Oh, wow. It, it helped that we were in the, in the seventies when uh, affirmative action was going on and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. Mexican. And so I, I, I got a really good opportunity through a lot of the human relations work we were doing at the high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done a good job where well, I yeah. was.
1: Yeah. The the door might get open for you for whatever reason, but it's still your your opportunity to screw it up or make it amazing, you know. Yes,
0: so. that's true. So when I was 19 years old, I was managing 19 people. Wow. At a savings and loan, at the second largest savings and loan. So It made me think about it when you talked Mm. about how young you were when you got started. And boy, do I wish I had been in the mortgage business at 19.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a uh, difference. It's been a huge difference. I always, the the funny thing is, is having done it now for 18 years, I am no longer the youngest person in the room.
0: Doesn't that feel weird?
1: It's really weird. Cause I mean, for a very long time, Irene, I have been the youngest person in the room. So (laughs) I don't know. It, it to a lot of the extent the younger people who are around are a lot of fun, you know. They they're open to learning and it's it's yes. kind of cool.
0: And you so, mentor them too, which is really nice. Yeah, to be able as much to say
1: much as I can. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you share your experiences with them and stuff, but I remember the first time I was sitting in a room and I was the oldest person in the room and I and I wasn't even that old and I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, this is kind of strange." Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember going to my first concert where I looked around and said, "I'm the oldest one here." <laughs> oh uh, man!
1: Well, so, you know, it, 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 with with age comes some wisdom and some really good stories, right? It does. So, yeah, yeah, it really life's does. Pretty good. I certainly don't feel my age, so.
0: And I don't either. So and uh,
1: I don't yeah. act it either. There's that. <laughs>
0: no, that's a good thing. <laughs> what I love about you is your mindset, though. You've always had. You're always working on getting better. And not everybody does that. Some people say they do. You actually
1: do. Yeah.
0: And so tell us what you do to help with your mindset and help you reach your goals with the right mindset.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that compliment. I I think that for me, I get bored easy. The CEO, I work at Fairway, Fairway Mm -hmm. Mortgage. CEO of our company uses this term toe tapper or foot tapper. it's foot tappers, what I've heard him say. Uh It was a while ago I heard him say that, and I thought, you know, I'm that's what I am. I'm a foot tapper. I can't stand still. I get a little nutty and anxious if I'm just sitting still. And I I think that's probably the core reason on why I continue to look for opportunities for growth, whatever that might look like. But I I used to have an unhealthy relationship with growth. Actually, this might take a different spin than what you thought it would, but I, I always just wanted more, you know, more and more and uh-huh. more. And I'd be comparing against other people. There was a coach I had, Dan Sullivan, strategic mm-hmm. coach. Um, yes. And he shared this concept of the gap versus the gain, which now there's a very popular book that him and, him and Ben Hardy wrote. But it, it talks about if you're comparing yourself against someone else, Or something that's further ahead of you, you're comparing yourself against what he called the ideal. And I don't know if you've ever driven uh, towards this like sunset, right? But as you continue to drive, like you don't get any closer, it just keeps moving further and further away. Have you ever noticed that? Yes. And that's similar in my experience to judging against where you want to go. Like I'll give you a perfect example going to those Vegas events, there'd be somebody on stage who's doing 30 units a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, we both leave Vegas and we go back to our offices and we work. And the next year we come back and I've doubled my business. I've gone from five units to 10 units a month. And that SOB is up on stage and now he's doing 50 units a month. I'm like, Uh come (laughs) on, dude. So- I could find myself and did find myself for many many years comparing myself against that ideal who all you know also continues to move further out versus what I had actually accomplished which is pretty amazing going yes. from 5 units a month to 10 so you know coaching in many cases in my experience is more of like a really expensive therapy um, but <laughs> therapy that sometimes i pay more attention to so what i've found myself trying to make a habit of doing which hopefully is valuable for anybody you know listening to or watching this is instead of comparing yourself against that ideal that continues to move further and further away right instead really look backwards and measure your progress because what i found is when i'm measuring my progress i just feel so much more full and filled up and excited about the progress that i'm making yeah. than i do if i'm constantly chasing you know an outside objective Right. So that's been a huge, huge help for me. But also, you know, additionally, I'm always trying to find like the stuff that bugs me. You know, I just don't like to be bothered. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there's something that I can do that will reduce the bother, I'll do that thing. So, you know, I'm a big, like friction free person. And that's a term I stole from a mentor and now buddy of mine, Dean Jackson. He uses the term friction free all the time. But I I just always look for where's the friction and how can I remove it, whatever the friction might be,, yeah. um, and that definitely keeps me growing because you know it, you gotta get a little uncomfortable to remove a lot of the friction in life. you got to start thinking outside the box and get curious on what would this look like if I didn't have to deal with whatever the thing is that I'm you know talking about,
0: yeah. So. I love that friction-free. I don't know if I've ever heard that before, but that's a great term for. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, I don't like having friction either. Like, yeah, I'm always trying to find a better way. It mm-hmm. seems like you know that's you're always trying to find a better way to do something, a more efficient way, mm-hmm. uh, an easier way. That's that's well, and and, that-
1: and what I think observationally, that it, it what I what I notice is for people who aren't growth oriented folks, mm-hmm. when they experience that friction, they let it slow them down or stop them personally. And this probably says more about me than it does about them, but personally, it just drives me nuts. Like I, I, I get deeply upset about that. Again, it's not really mine to be upset about, but I still let it get that way. So I, I just don't want to have that happen myself. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. trying to kind of push forward. So yeah, I don't know. I try to perception check myself though like if I'm going more well, why more right what's what's important to you about it but also giving myself permission to s- still want more cuz cuz another thing that I learned from strategic coach I'll share this this is a really very impactful thing psychology wise for me when you when you have goals or or you accomplish a goal people will wonder why right I'll give you an example I it, about the time we met each other. I had a race car and uh, people it, didn't understand it. It was very confusing. Why, why do you have that car? It doesn't make a lot of sense to them. And it was a goal I'd had for years. Irene, I wanted that car mm. so freaking bad. I could taste it. And I worked my butt off to get it. You know, I had to ship money somewhere where they were building it. I mean, it was like this whole thing. How and cool then is that? I, it, it was cool. Yeah. It. But when I got it, I all of a sudden went from like this place of like great pride and excitement that I had this thing that I'd really wanted and worked my ass off for. And then I got it. And everybody that would see me would say, so why, why'd you get the race car? Right. And I, I started creating these explanations that were elaborate, like, well, you know, I used to have this other car and the tires were like $2,500 to repair because the car was so heavy you know, uh-huh. this car, it's lighter and it just, it doesn't abuse tires as bad. I mean, who the hell cares? That's so stupid. That's the most ridiculous. Why would it, there is no economical explanation of why I just wanted it. Right. So the thing that I picked up, and this is a Dan Sullivan thing too, was if someone asks you why, right. Well, you know, why do you want to do 30 loans a month? Cause I want to. And, and then they'll, in my experience, they'll say, yeah, but why? And, and then I would reply, eh, cause I, cause I want to, uh-huh. and like, that's actually enough as it turns out of an explanation, <laughs> anything else was just me being insecure about what they were thinking about me, you know, Yes, and that's, that's their problem, not my problem. So that was a very meaningful thing that I still do today. And, you know, I will warn you and any listeners that if you start doing this, it will piss some people off. They will be unhappy with that explanation. But as long as it's not like my wife, right. Cause sometimes there's a little bit more depth of explanation needed, but mm-hmm. if it's just some stranger, like that's, that's their problem. That's not my problem. I can just yes. say it's because I wanted to. And it's a perfect, as long as it's like legal and ethical, right. um, you know, it, it's all the more explanation that it needs. So yes. I, it, you know, that was like a I'm not exaggerating. It was a $30,000 lesson because I remember when I walked into that event, that was what it cost to be a part of the program. And the second I walked out, I was like, yeah, I paid for this whole, this whole experience yes. because that was creating enough mental friction for me you know, where I was just caught up in like these explanations of all the things I wanted. Like, you know, when I met your your son, Kenny
0: uh-huh.
1: in Arizona, it's when I was taking a month off. I, I would take a month and I'm in Iowa, so it sucks in the winter. I hate it here in the winter. <laughs> My wife and I and our daughter at the time, Piper, we only had one at the time. Now we've got three. We would go to Arizona for a month. Mm-hmm. People would ask, well, why? And I would, you know, fabricate these explanations. It's the weather it sucks here, you know? Well, yeah, but Why? Well, eventually, I got to a point where I just say because I wanted to, and that was enough. It was. It is enough. It was perfectly enough, and uh, and it was so good. So I don't know. Hopefully, that's as helpful to some people as it was to me. I, I paid thirty thirty thousand to listen, and now you get it for free. So,
0: <laughs> but it was worth it. Definitely it was worth it.
1: Worth every penny, man. I mean, every day of my life, it still pays off. I just, if I was still the. 20 something version of myself mentally, and how I really cared a lot about what other people thought of mm-hmm. my decisions. There'd be so many cool things that I couldn't do right now because I never would have stepped outside of that area that was comfortable to me where everybody else felt like it was safe, you know? Yes. But also, like in that time, there's plenty of people who are still very close to me today that were close to me then. And they've all also grown. They're my, my growth and pursuit of like, just trying to do things that I think are cool, whatever they are, um, they're in support of it. And they're, you know, it's just a really healthy way to operate. Are there people who I used to talk to that I don't talk to anymore? Yes. Like, and that's, Mm -hmm. it's actually just how life works as it turns out. Yeah, It's just, sometimes you're a little bit better about making those decisions faster on who who deserves to play a role in your life, I guess. I yeah. know, it it probably sounds maybe uncool the way I said that, but
0: no, not at all. Yeah. You know yeah. what's really interesting is the things that hold us back sometimes that cause mental friction for us, those are things that we might have not might have, we did develop along the path mm. of our journey in this life. We either heard it from somebody, we picked up on what somebody said and we made it our own in our own mm-hmm. mind. Yep. I remember the first time we bought a home on the golf course. It wasn't it wasn't a beautiful home or anything, but it was on the golf course in the better part of town in a small community that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And I was shy to tell people we had moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the first time I bought a Mercedes. I was shy to tell people that I had bought a Mercedes. I didn't say anything to anyone. I didn't Post it anywhere. I I was almost yeah. embarrassed to drive it down the street. Yeah, and I thought to myself, why do you feel that way, Irene? What What is going on? That what has gone on in your life that you feel like you don't, that you have to explain to people why you bought that house or why you bought a nice car or, and so going back to what you said, I just had to keep telling myself, you know what? It doesn't matter what people think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, and know that like what they choose to do is totally cool too. I, exactly. I think that's the. I think that's the area where it can get uncool as I kind of unpack that, is like, if you're coming from a place of, well, you know, forget you, look at you. That's, that's like a place of judgment and unhealthy comparison, right? Where, you know, if you're just like, Hey man, it's cool. Like if you're totally comfortable where it, it, when I'm coming at a situation where I'm a hundred percent comfortable where I'm at, there is no shaking me. You know, I I recently yes. had an exchange with a peer, and something was said that you know five years ago would have really triggered me, honestly. Mm-hmm. But what was said was really not important. Like it, it it was more about that person than it was about me, and mm-hmm. and it had obviously been bothering this person for a very long time, because it was like the first thing that came up when we were one to one at a at a social event. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just said, you know, I, I think you might look back on this conversation in the future and wish that we wouldn't have had it. Uh-huh. But, you know, I'm actually really comfortable where I'm at. I, I think when you get a little further along, you know, in your journey, I I think you'll feel the same way and you'll wish you wouldn't have said what you just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and he, uh, he, he walked away from the situation kind of feeling like, well, I didn't go like I thought it would, you know, mm-hmm. but. you know, you don't have to escalate, you know, that's, yeah, it's okay to be different, right? It is.
0: And that's what I love about being on the, on the progress, on the progression side of our self-talk, what we Mm -hmm. say to ourselves, what we allow. It's one thing for something to come into our mind because of some programming we had as we were growing Mm -hmm. up, or sometimes it's not even what other people said. It's the way we perceive things at certain Mm -hmm. times of our lives. And then we hold on to that. And so we have, have to I, make those things go.
1: Have you read Young Pueblo? Do you know who that is?
0: I have not read that.
1: I'm surprised I haven't shared this with you. So I, it, first of all, I don't read poems and stuff. Like that's not really my shtick. I'm mm-hmm. big self-development. I don't read fiction either. But Young Pueblo is this poet. That's actually his pen name. But he writes these books of just short poems. It, you follow me on Instagram. So you've probably yes. seen photos of this stuff and not even known it was his. But a great author, highly, highly recommend it. The cool thing about it is, is like the poem is like, you know, like an eighth of a page. You could just read one page a day and it's still wildly impactful. I love that. Um, <laughs> but he he had this quote or poem or what, I, they look more like quotes to me. They're apparently poems. But he had a, a poem about, have you ever had an incomplete set of information and let your mind spin it into a story? And oh my goodness, how often does that happen? Yeah. Like, it's just absolutely crazy how often my brain does that. It's just the funniest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having the awareness that that's what's going on is really impactful. And yes. I will tell you, I, a lot of training companies that I've observed don't do any work at all on self talk. They don't um, at all. And I've just done a lot of work through therapy and stuff. And I sometimes mm-hmm. forget that like other people haven't taken the time or figured out that's something they want to do yet, which is fine. Yes. We'll do it when it makes sense to them. That's okay. But I realize like, oh, you don't know that this is a problem that you have. And like that there's some story that you're telling yourself. You won't ask for the referral, for example, right? Because yes. you're, you're like projecting some weird experience you had onto this and saying, well, I don't want to have that same, I don't want to have this person have that same experience I had, you know, 10 years ago or whatever the story is. Yes. So I, I will say for anybody that's listening to this, if you're trying to train like teammates on how to do certain aspects of the job. If you're like me, which which you may or may not be, God bless you if you are. I don't know, it, we're we <laughs> struggle, but the life experiences we have that have gotten us to a point where we're comfortable doing a lot of the things we do in our job mm-hmm. aren't going to be the same experiences that teammates have had because you know if you work for somebody else, it's a very different rule. You yes, know? so. The great part about what Irene's team does is they they force people to go through kind of these work exercises in their workshops where they're doing the deep work that you've done unintentionally. You, you just had to figure it out because you had to pay that bill and you just broke through it. You know, teammates don't necessarily have those same life experiences to get them where, where we're at. And I've found it's very easy to slip into this area of like, well, just give me the phone. I'll do it or, or being frustrated that they, they can't. And really like, we just need to bring them alongside us and show them the way, you know? Yes. Um, Cause I don't know, it's just, it's unfair to think that everybody's walking around with the same life experiences we have to be at the same place we are. Like I can't cook, for example, just never <laughs> had to. And recently I found myself in the kitchen trying to do something and I was cutting something in my hand, holding it like this. Oh no. And, uh, and I felt competent with a knife to not do anything stupid, but my wife was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) And she stops me and she like teaches me what to do. And she explains, you know, here's why this matters. And I, I mean, I'll be honest. I had, I had no idea that this was going to be a problem But after her her explaining it to me and all that, I was like, okay, I can kind of understand that. Candidly, I still might go cut my hand sometime just out of (laughs) well. Hopefully, you you won't. (laughs) Yeah, but if I did, like, I'll learn from the cut, or I'll learn from someone coming up beside me and sharing with me the experience, so I don't have to, you know. And I think the same thing goes for all of our teammates and training them.
0: I agree. And in training them, you know, you mentioned that we cover that. We do. I don't do any training without mindset. I think mindset is the first piece of every class. It I don't think I know it is the yeah. first piece of every class that we teach. Because mm-hmm. without that foundation, you can't do the rest of the stuff the same way. Right. And right. so every class we have has found has that as a foundation. And I appreciate you sharing that because as you know, that's important to me. And yeah. it's it's an important thing because it's the one thing. If if I didn't learn anything else. In business, in life, the one thing that has helped me the most in my life and in my business is the learning what to say when we talk to ourselves. That's yeah. important.
1: It The irony though, just to kind of elevate the importance of it is like you could teach someone how to calculate income. On a loan application, right? That that's a that's a skill that you need to teach, and yes, it, you know I think you guys have that in a new class that I haven't mm. personally had anybody go through. So with with that kind of thing, it's a very useful skill you can carry it forward with you into your next loan related job, mm-hmm. but it's not super transferable outside of that, right? The mindset. Stuff once you crack it and figure it out. I mean, there's really not a lot of limits to where that can start seeping in and helping you out. So I just I think it's a huge, huge value add. It just like I believe in investing in myself for learning, um, you know, whatever percentage of your income you kind of allocate, I highly recommend you allocate something. But I I also try to be intentional with my teammates of okay, part of the job here is we're going to continue to find ways to get better. And hopefully it's not just like technical skills that we're trying to teach them on. You know, hopefully there's some more, if someone's happier at home with their spouse, like they're going to be better teammates to work with anyway. So why not, why not make that investment?
0: That's true. And it transfers over when they grow personally, they grow everywhere.
1: Yeah, You don't
0: just limit it to the one area that you're growing in. When you grow personally, you grow everywhere. So yep. I love that. And you have a great team, Tyler. Tell us about your team and how have you over the years helped them get better, help them? Uh, do you hire them brand new? Did you used to hire them brand yeah. new? Just kind of give us an overview.
1: I'll tell you, I've seen it done a lot of different ways. And I don't think there's one way that you do it. That's my I own personal opinion. I, I don't think all people you talk to would agree with that. But I do think that you can teach anybody how to do this job. I don't think it's that complicated as much as I'd like to think I'm like a super unicorn person. I also think there's a lot of ways you can build a mortgage business. Some people have producers come in and they, they play the role of like a non-producing manager where they get a lot of really talented people and give them a process to plug into that they can be successful in. That's mm-hmm. not mine. The system that I've built for anybody not familiar with it is we've got a production team. So for the last 18 years, I've been building a great reputation locally that we can do our job well. And that reputation is what brings in most of the loans we do. And I continue to support those relationships with people that we've had either as clients or agents or whatever to continue to get loans coming in the door. And my teammates help. Me look good when the phone rings you know yes so we have grown with both people who have experience people who don't have experience we've had some hires not work out that both had experience and didn't have experience and we've had hires work out stupendously that also fit both you mm-hmm. know so the, the way my team works right now which is always evolving because again the friction thing right is I am really mostly spending my time on making sure we've got things in place that continue to make the phone ring, whether that be really great agents that we partner with or marketing campaigns and funnels that eventually lead to applications or online reviews or other referral sources. And then I also look at the process of how we manufacture a loan and I constantly look for areas of friction and remove them. And then from a selling perspective, currently I'm involved in the conversion part of the process of people tuning in or in the mortgage business. It's basically the call. Once a deal goes under contract, that's where I'm on the phone to help them pin down all the details and feel confident about how they're structuring their financing. Mm-hmm. And then I do a handoff to the next teammate who handles fulfillment. So yeah, but the, the team that we've got, I mean, In our busiest month, I think we did 60 units in a month, 60, 64 or something. That's awesome. COVID refi year, you know, but you know, we'll have, I don't know, 37 loans or something right now for next month, which we're super thrilled about. That is. Perspective, I want to perception check myself. January, we did nine. So that's a
0: huge jump.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's been a tough year, man. Like I I was very much supporting the team and being able to stay as a team by not taking any pay for like six months. So Mm -hmm. like, this isn't all rainbows and unicorns. I mean, right? there's there's blood and sweat that goes into this too. There is we'll make money at 37 or I I, I'll make money at 37. Thank God they've all been continuing to get paid without any reductions in anything, but you know, there's good months and there's not so good months for me, at least in my experience and to have a team the biggest shift, and this is a mindset thing, is to start hiring people, I had to take on the image and and avatar of a business owner mm-hmm. as opposed to just an individual loan officer. Because yes. for me, when I started hiring people to, you know, just help work with me, I, I hate working for me. Everybody works with me. We both can me choose too. I'm time I'm to the same way. It, right. I got to it's just like dating my spouse. I got to continue to keep my teammates happy, right? Yes. So I very much know that that dynamic is one where they need a paycheck every two weeks to show up. Mm-hmm. It, it, the the loyalty would probably run out pretty quickly if yes. the paycheck stopped hitting their bank account. So I I knew that by hiring people on, I've got to know, like, we don't close anything. I'm writing a check to keep the doors open here. Mm-hmm. Um Fortunately, we haven't had to do that yet. We, you know, we've always bro- broken even on our expenses, mm-hmm. but you know, got, got a little spooky there for a couple months earlier this year, but yes. I, I, I don't know for me, I've, I've just hit a point where I feel confident myself in knowing what the numbers are that I need to be doing both in terms of just like prospective activities to what apps are coming in, to what will convert to what will close. Mm-hmm. We know all that, so that it, that's given me the confidence to grow to where we're at today with seven of us. But it, you know, didn't happen overnight. You yeah
0: know. it it takes a while, and it, there's a lot of fear involved. Oh, you yeah. have to manage it.
1: it. Yeah, yeah,
0: because fear and, is there. It, oh, for it's sure. It's How we manage it that matters.
1: I, this is a little tangenty, but maybe timely for originators who are like in a in a role like I am of of having a team. Mm -hmm. If, if you have this attitude of I've got to get paid, you know, I I would call it entitlement respectfully, you know, I might have to, it it might be a little bit of a real reality check, but if, if you feel like, Hey, I need to get paid a hundred basis points on these loans that I'm closing Mm -hmm. and you're not closing enough to generate the income to pay for the people who are supporting you in that production. Mm -hmm. I, I really do think that we're at a stage in the business where you have to give yourself a reality check of I got two choices here. Either I continue to get paid and I let these other folks find a place that's more secure for employment because clearly Mm -hmm. I'm not providing it for them, or I need to be able to reduce my income to nothing to allow these people to continue to get paid and not have my company losing money. You know, I fortunately for Fairway, I've always had that perspective, but I've noticed in conversations with people over the last year that not everybody has that that, that uh, attitude of things. And I, I really think you got to act and think like an mm-hmm. owner if you want to truly grow it. Right. Yeah. I think it's always that way. Cause you got to spend money to make money to some aspect as an mm-hmm. originator, mm-hmm. like investing in coaching and training and that kind of thing. But it does get a little bit more real when you have staff and, you know, Boy, true overhead, sure. you know, but, and you're certainly not I, I love the only,
0: though. You're not the only originator that I've spoken to as I've coached people, uh, coach loan officers and stuff. There are two different ways to look at it. And some people have cut staff and they're getting paid. And some people have not cut staff and they're not getting paid. But the people like you, though, Tyler, and the ones that have been able to keep their staff and not pay themselves, it comes because you saved money yeah. during the times when you were making a lot yeah. of money.
1: I. Yes, but also like it, just because I have I, I have more personal knowledge in certain people's situations, there are some cases where the economics of this business have just changed, yes. plain and simple. And when when the rules to the game change, you just have to make adjustments. You so do. there's there's a lot of successful originators who've had to make some pretty pretty hard and fast adjustments, candidly, yes. that they didn't want to make. People lost jobs that would still gladly work for that person, but they had to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that those are permanent adjustments. I very much hope and think that it will be a season and they'll rebuild a business that makes sense with the current economic conditions because they have changed and be able to scale back up. But you know it, in if you compare, going back to like how you can feel great or terrible, just like comparing against the ideal out forward that I had given earlier, if you're doing the same thing and comparing against the year of COVID refis, yeah, this is not that. You know, I mean, no. there there were legitimately people closing twenty loans a month that really didn't even know how the loans were finding them, and good for them that they had a good run. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like that's not sustainable, and sometimes you got to go through it. And get on the other side to learn that that's not sustainable. You know, yes. the example I would give is I, you know, I used to originate loans when anybody that could fog a mirror could get a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, So there literally was like never a loan. I mean, there were, but it was so rare that you get a loan application that was so bad that you couldn't find a way to get it done. You uh-huh. know, um, so I grew up in that, and then the. You know, rug got pulled out from under me, and all of a sudden, I had to learn like what a conventional and FHA and VA loan were because yes. up until then, nobody told me.
0: Because
1: um, um, my account reps that were teaching me didn't sell those loans, right? And <laughs> so uh, you did what
0: they taught you. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> so I had to make the adjustments, and I had to figure out how to do the loans that could be done, and it was a painful rebuilding. I mean, I didn't have nearly the responsibilities that I do today. But you know the market is cyclical, and you can and probably will get your face kicked in every once in a while, um, just because it, it, you know you've had to make cuts, or you know somebody who's had to make cuts. It doesn't say like they weren't willing to take ownership. Because t- to be fair, some companies have made people make really hard and fast adjustments in situations where maybe they really shouldn't have had to. But I do think that on the other side of markets like this, people are way better at their job. You just you get way better. I call them operators, you know, people uh-huh. who are who are owner operators. We just get a lot better when things get hard. So yes. or we get the heck out of the business. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's bad either. That doesn't make you a, a failure. It just means that you decided that this wasn't something you wanted to get curious and figure out, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know. But I I don't know. Even though the first few months of this year sucked like real bad. I've never felt better. Like I I went through the whole process thinking, dude, I have been so ready for this. Like I am mm-hmm. so ready for this. I knew all the proactive things I was doing were the right things. Yeah. I didn't doubt it. It's pretty, pretty great. You know, it will be nice to get some paychecks again. But yes, it, it, it will. Was, but um, it
0: it feels good when you grow like yeah. that, doesn't it? Because when you yeah. go through the hard times, it makes you stronger. It makes you better, like you said.
1: You're just grateful for the good stuff, and you know that the good is or the bad and good are both kind of temporary. There's another guy that I really like. You probably heard me share it on Instagram, but for anybody that's listening, Scott Galloway is a guy. He has a podcast called Prof G, and he's a co host of a podcast called Pivot, which is a Uh tech podcast. But he's this, you know, 50s something super rich guy. Um, He's been very successful with some exits of selling some businesses. But he's very raw and real and is it, just very entertaining. And one of the things that he says that stuck with me is nothing is either as good or as bad as it seems. Because, you know, when you're in the the darkness and things get kind of spooky, you can feel really like stuck and yes, like you're just never going to get out. I know I felt that way. I have you,
0: Everyone has, I think. Then,
1: yeah. Then you get out of it and you look back and I like, man that just was not as bad as it felt, you know? Mm-hmm. And- same thing for when things are good, you know? Like I I remember during covid I was like, man, I don't even know where I'm going to put all this money. Um <laughs> and, you know, that stopped. The gravy train stopped, and that's Yes. That's also just never as good as you expect it to be, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: I like that looking at it from the bad stuff that or the hard stuff that happens and the good stuff that happens, it is all temporary and but you can create a business like like you have created that's going to keep going and it's going to keep growing because of the person that is in charge of the business the one that's running it because you have that growth mindset
1: yeah yeah, so, yeah. i i also would like to say that i think it's a lot about the people that i choose to surround myself I with agree. whether it be teammates that work with me and help support the production and also being really intentional on in who we partner with. Because, I mean, there's plenty of agents that we've met with over the years where we'll do the networking stuff, you know, the coffee or whatever. And yeah. I, I still remember a perfect example I've given before as, you know, I had coffee with an agent, top producing agent in our market, and she has a team. And uh, I had brought a teammate along with me who, you know, I just wanted to have them meet and know each other. And. We get through the coffee and towards the end, she referred to her teammates as minions in oh, the conversation. Man. And uh man, it was going so well. <laughs> and then that happened. And <laughs> I was like, Oh, this isn't gonna work. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, after the coffee, you know, it's really kind of like kind but dismissive at the end of the coffee, which my teammate was like, Did I read that right? Like, are you kind of breaking up with her after that meeting? Uh-huh. And I was like, Yeah. And teammate was like what why i don't understand and it's like did you hear her say she called her teammates minions she's like Mm -hmm. yeah i was like do you really think that's a good culture fit and she's like but she does so many loans you know she'd be so many loans and i was like how do you think she's going to treat us like if 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 she's calling you instead of me, is she going to feel like she can get the same answer because she's talking to one of my teammates as opposed to me? Like, this is a limiting belief that's going to play along in a lot of other areas. And I I feel like my teammate really felt supported and protected in that conversation, which was Mm -hmm. another added benefit. But to call back to the original point, like the growth and stuff is possible because we know exactly who's a great fit, both clients, referral sources, all that. And we are really intentional about who we choose to work with because we've got to protect the business. You know, it's just not, it's not sustainable if you're working with the wrong people. You know, what,
0: what I love about that is that you get to choose because you're doing the right activities, because you're calling and you're building relationships, you get to choose who you have your relationships with and who's a good culture fit.
1: Yeah. The, the the only thing I'll add as a caveat, because these get recorded and people watch them as, you know, for compliance reasons, obviously you can't discriminate against a borrower or something, but (laughs) it, it, but when it comes to like who you choose to build your business with, you you can absolutely, you know, be selective on who's a good fit and bad fit. Just don't make it based on borrower characteristics and uncool stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, if you've got a jerk, like, so many people out there you know our friend Tammy she always says you know Tyler there's I can't even impersonate her anymore but (laughs) it it, there's so many of them and there's only one of you sweetie and yeah I still I still hear that tape in my head every time I (laughs) run into a situation like should I cut him should I not and then then I hear Tammy telling me it's gonna be all right yeah
0: And she it is might. apparently closing 36 loans. It sounds out. like it's working pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, we're figuring it out, but yeah. it, it's, it, it's month by month, man. I and mean, you just, you got to continue to show up and do the work and treat people the right way. Um...
0: Are you holding off on training your loan partners, your loan assistants, your team members and support staff on how to wow your clients? Are they getting that kind of training from you? You probably plan on training them, if you get a few extra hours, but when does that happen realistically? And meanwhile, your team is doing the best they can with the information that they have. But you know, this kind of training really doesn't exist anywhere else. When you do the training, that means you're not as responsive as you want to be with your clients and you're not hitting your closing and income goals as a loan officer. So how much is it costing you? To not have a team that's properly trained how to wow clients and referral partners so that they only want to work with you because of the great experience that they're getting. We teach them how to use efficient step-by-step processes and systems that work, how to follow up so nothing falls through the cracks and loans close on time and even early how to build wonderful relationships with clients, how to wow people so they go, man, that was an amazing experience. The members of his or her team are amazing. They're so on it. How to use scripts and dialogues for winning clients, setting expectations and communicating with clients so that you can prevent problems down the road. How to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Loan Team Training has our next live WOW training coming up. We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Check it out at loanteamtraining.com for our next class. And see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at loanteamtrainingreviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive, virtual training with live trainers, and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Our sessions are 9 to 1130 Pacific Time for Thursday, June 8th, Friday, June 9th, Thursday, June 15th, and Friday, June 16th. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at LoanTeamTraining.com.
1: goes back to like as a true north for my team is just delivering a really amazing experience you know Mm -hmm. so as long as we can continue to do that I feel like we're doing a good job and the business will follow Um, I agree reputation does a lot of the work for us
0: yes yeah and and remembering to ask for reviews has to do with your reputation so I would like you to talk just a few minutes about reviews there's yeah. no time limit Tell, take as long as you want, but sure, sure. you are amazing at getting reviews. Now you might know the number, but I know you have a high number of reviews and testimonials <laughs> yeah. and I've learned yeah. a lot from you in that area.
1: Yeah. Well, so the backstory is important to the review thing, just for context on anybody who hasn't heard the story. So I, uh, a long time ago, like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago, I remember comparing myself to other people on my market. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, listeners may have had the same experience of, you know, they're closing this many million or this many units or whatever. And I, I looked at the sheet and I remember looking at the people who were ahead of me and thinking, these people are not very good at their job. Like I I know many people where I'm the person helping that person for the second, third or fourth time. And they worked with so-and-so the first time and chose not to work with them again. Mm-hmm so i and then reputationally i knew that like yeah they closed a lot but they they didn't return phone calls or they didn't have a very good process just i heard things right mm-hmm. and i found myself really frustrated that there's this scoreboard that the whole industry looks to and seems to judge if they're good or bad based on units closed or volume right right and that really frustrated me to be mm-hmm. candid because i i thought you know what first who cares? Cause like, I know they do a crap job, but secondly, some of them didn't do it profitably. You know, I, it, I'm personally a fan of like, we're a for-profit business. So if I'm doing a great job, like we should be able to show something for it at the end of the year. And some of these people work for organizations that, you know, since then have completely collapsed because they weren't running a profitable operation.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't
1: think there's much to be proud about with that because it's not a sustainable business. Right. So I made a decision, like I need to pick a different scoreboard. At the time I was doing strategic coach before I started coaching with Dan, it was an associate coach. And one of the things that I learned was, you know, quit playing games. You can't win. That was, that was the takeaway. And I thought, well, this this is interesting because this is definitely a game I can't win when this guy's got a quote of a rate that's a quarter lower than I can, you know, every time we're going to lose that if it's overpriced. So I picked a scoreboard and the scoreboard I picked fortunately, like 13 years ago was reviews because I knew that if I could deliver a great experience, I could earn a five-star review. Mm-hmm. So I made the decision. That's the scoreboard I'm going after. And I used everything i learned up until that point about marketing, which I did decide a long time ago, I need to learn how to be a good marketer because if I can't find loans, certainly can't make any money. So I started uh, you know, pursuing getting reviews. And where I started was with closed deals, people that I had already helped And I ended up running a campaign with a contest. So if anybody wanted to swipe and adapt this, as many, many people have since I started talking about it, I gave, I gave away a raffle item, right. To anybody who completed a review, Mm -hmm. um, which you'll want to check with like your compliance teams. And, you know, if there's a a lottery not even making this up, there's like lotto rules in certain States that you got to be mindful of. So like Mm -hmm. do your research before you do this. Okay. You don't even have to gamify it if you don't want. This is just something I did. So I'm just telling from my personal perspective with all the proper legal disclosure. So I did that and I ended up sending a letter asking them to do it. And then I followed up with an email and I followed up with personal phone calls, um, left a message, sent texts. I mean, it was like a five or six step sequenced process. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to probably like, I think 350 people at the time or something And out of that 350 people, we ended up getting 80 Google reviews in about a 45 day span, which was really killer. And this is at a time when, like, the next closest person had like one Google review because nobody was paying attention to it. You know, it was just by accident. That's how you got reviews. So all of a sudden, like, one day, I'm this huge leader in our market with reviews. And I knew from that point forward, as long as I continued to ask for reviews as we closed them, we would stay ahead of everybody else and we'd be the clear winner with that scoreboard. What I didn't realize is if we did such a good job, other people would look at it and be like, that's not even a contest worth playing because I'm just getting murdered. I look like an idiot. And they go do something else. That, right. That's something that happened, but I didn't intend it to happen, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. But highly recommend doing that if you can. It turned into something where now we've got over a thousand or, yeah, over a thousand Google five star reviews. It's amazing. And con- continue to grow them. And it, there's just been so many benefits. I mean, first it's very public. So like when I meet someone, oftentimes they Google you, you know? Yes. So you've got this, um the, the marketing term is social proof. You've got social proof that you know what you're doing. And that has been such a great silent salesperson for our team that I never really thought, thought about. I mean, I, I wish I could say I really thought about that, but I I didn't. It was like my ego pushed me to do it. But then, you know, it, it, it's out there for that. It allows us to use that in scripting. So like if I'm in a conversation with someone and they say, well, so-and-so says that they can do it at this rate and I'll say, okay, that's cool. You know, and I'll maybe give a little bit of an educational conversation about fees and that's, you know, rate, there's more to it than rate. Did you know the best rates off off the most expensive, yada, yada, yada. Uh-huh. But then I say, so it, I, I will admit when I'm in the same situation you are, where I'm trying to decide who to work with, I always know I just got to find the best rate, right? The Best terms is always what I'm after. But I, I want to ask, because a lot of people don't think about it, have you looked into like what their process is like and how they actually do once you say yes? Because having done mortgages now for 18 years... Most of the people in my seat do a really good job up until they say, you know, they get a client to say yes, then it gets handed off to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know who's on the fulfillment side. And have you given that much consideration? And they'll say, well, you know, how do you know? And so actually here's the good news. It's actually really easy to know. You got to search for reviews because reviews are where people that are either raving fans or have horror stories share it. And if you can't find anything, they probably don't do a whole lot. But for the people who write five-star reviews, you know that they really impress the pants off that person. Where if there's one-star review, you know that sometimes, maybe more times, they kind of bomb it. And that has been a really great script because the people who are most competitive on price, which is really the only reason we lose deals anymore, Mm -hmm. their reviews, their reputation is terrible. It's just they they don't wow people, to Mm -hmm. use your word. So nobody's leaving them a review. Like- it, that that's what happened in that conversation with the person I was talking about earlier. Is it, the person said, "How do you do all this business when you don't have the lowest rates?" I've seen your loan estimate. I don't get it. Now I'm coming out with everything, and uh, and I said, "Well, have you ever Googled me?" And he said, "Sure, yeah, I've, I've I've looked you up." I was like, "So what'd you find?" We got a lot of reviews. I was like, "Have you read them?" It's like, "No." I'm like I would encourage you when you get home because this really seems to be bothering you. Look at the reviews. Like, Mm -hmm. I think you're going to find that not one person says, I got the lowest rate I could. Like, as it turns out, that is not what people get excited about. They want a really amazing experience. And to deliver a really amazing experience in any industry, you can't be the cost leader, right? I mean, nobody walks out of a Walmart and says, this place was heavenly. Yeah, nobody's shopping there because they want a great experience. They're shopping there because they know that's where they can get the cheapest price on their corn,
0: yes. you know,
1: and I'm not, I don't want to be Walmart, like, cause mm-hmm. I don't want to be beating down my vendors. It's just not nothing against Walmart, but it's just not the dynamic I want to have every day when I go to work. Right. It's not what I've set out to do where if I'm creating a really amazing experience to me, that's kind of fun. Like it's just really exciting to find ways to create a more smooth home buying process. It's not free, costs money to deliver a really great experience, but we protect that because for for me, until until the market dictates otherwise, which thank goodness it's not yet, I'm gonna continue to find a way to make the process that much better. Um, That's where my focus is gonna be at.
0: I love that. You know, when they look you up and they see what you've done, it makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, it just it's it's social proof and it's just um it's the silent salesperson. But we we legitimately get like three new client applications a week from online reviews alone. So I mean it it is its own funnel at this mm-hmm. point. And you know, Irene, the thing I never would have guessed when I started doing that is when those clients apply, right? I've never talked to these people before in my life, and neither is my team. So if they're the one doing the call, that client interacts with us as good or better than someone who's referred to us by a past client or a realtor. I mean, it's like they're already educated, motivated, and they trust us at a level that other people don't. So it's so funny how that works. And it gives us the chance to like generate inbound leads that we can refer out to agents. Just had a call with a client yesterday that reminded me we referred them to their agent it's been a really good move. So if, if someone's listening to this and they haven't really focused on getting reviews, man, you're missing the uh, missing the opportunity. I think it's a really, really good opportunity to, to level up.
0: I think so too. Well, you've given us so much to think about today and the encouragement that you've given to loan officers. I really appreciate it. I know you pretty well. And I know you've always been that way. You've always been encouraging to other loan officers. You've always shared what, you know, and tried to help other people, other loaners. For as
1: long as you've known me.
0: Yes. For as long as I've <laughs> known you. Like I say, we all grow, right?
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about my experience with you, which has been amazing. And besides, you love John Mayer. That's good enough for me. No?
1: <laughs> yeah. We've got some John Mayer stories for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I just appreciate you being here so much, Tyler. Thank you for taking your time today. I know you're busy and you take time for friends. And and you take time to help people, and I really appreciate that. So, thanks for being here, and we'll do another one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, always, always happy to.
0: Yeah, so thanks so much.
1: Yeah, thank you, Erin.
0: I really appreciate you listening today. Thank you for being here, and thank you to Tyler for being here. I wanted to read a review from one of the people that left a five star review. Ron says, until recently, I didn't realize how important this was. It's only been very recently that I realized the self-talk thing has substance. Irene helps you to understand the signs and reasons why it's important, as well as what to do to yourself to get out of your own way. Thank you, Ron, so much for leaving that five-star review and saying what you said. I really appreciate it. And you know what? If you guys got value out of this today, everything that Tyler talked about was amazing, what he shared. If you got value, I would really appreciate it if you would share this podcast with other mortgage loan originators and company owners and people that you know that are in the mortgage business. I would really appreciate that. So thank you so much for being here and have an enjoyable day. loan partner who does the loan consultations, structures the loan and converts the buyer to work with you? Or maybe you have a loan partner or a team member that you would like to move into that position so that you can be freed up to go get even more loans. How about a newer loan officer who could benefit from some training and how to convert buyers to work with them? Our client conversion training is very specific to this role. It will help them convert even more clients to work with you and your team. We help you to be seen as a trusted advisor. We cover every aspect of converting clients to work with you. They're gonna learn emotional intelligence, what it is and how to utilize it. They'll discover the key to a success mindset. Yep, we go deep on this one. How to build rapport right from the first conversation, how to ask the right questions, how to answer objections, specific dialogues and strategies to overcome rate shoppers. They're gonna practice live with other class members. And they're gonna also learn how to ask for and receive referrals. How to master the loan consultation with loan strategies that help the buyer make great decisions for their future. Client conversion training will set your team apart when they implement the training that they're gonna receive in our class. It's a virtual interactive class on Zoom with live trainers and your team members can attend from wherever they are as long as they have audio and video. Everyone participates. It's a 10-hour live class divided into two and a half hour sessions from 9 to 1130 on Thursday and Friday for two weeks in a row. Sign up your loan partner today at loanteamtraining.com. You'll find the class on the Client Conversion Training tab.